Welcome to Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. I'm Liz, and I'm obsessed with the future of work and all things co-working. In our first season, we'll be focusing on one of my favorite things to roll around in my brain, design. We'll be interviewing specialists from all over the world in this five-part series, and we'll be exploring revolutionary design, new models, and the future of health and wellness in design. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. I am super excited this morning to welcome Melissa Marsh to the podcast. Hey, Melissa. Hello, hello. Um, I am going to start the way I always like to start these, which is how the heck are you? I am doing well. It happens to be a cold and rainy day here in New York, but in relation to this moment in time, pretty good. I'm enjoying the uh, lead up to the holiday season and all those reminders about what to be thankful for this year. Absolutely. hundred percent. I understand. And I am glad you're doing well and that your family is healthy so important right now. Okay, so I know a ton about your background, but our listeners don't. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. Let's see, going back uh, right to the beginning, professionally undergraduate degree in political science and architecture, graduate degree in architecture and uh, strategic HR. And I often say that I have dedicated my career to helping buildings and people work better together. And that's the basis of Plastark, which is the company that I founded coming up on 10 years ago. Wow. It it doesn't seem like it's been that long. That's incredible. Time flies when you're having fun. (laughs) Yes, it does. Well, just as a quick little like get to know you, I'm going to do a really fast feed round with you. Mm -hmm. And this is just first thing that comes to mind. Okay, you ready? Yep. I'm on it. Okay. Ikea, a yes or a no? Yes. Open plan, a yes or a no? Um... I would say in general, yes, but I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what that actually means. Okay, cool. We'll get to that later. White noise or pink noise? Mm, Pink noise. Favorite furniture designer? Eames. Named my son after them. I love it. And scented candles, yes or no? Scents, yes. Candles, yes. Good scented candles, yes. I love it. I love it. Well, that was just really quick because I know that you know so much about workplace and design, and I'm so excited to have you on and talk about kind of what's going on in the world right now as far as workplace trends and where you see things going. And, you know, I'm curious about what the the kind of number one problem we're facing post-COVID in terms of workplace experience. Yeah, I would say probably what we're starting to call the hybrid work environment, that blend Mm -hmm. of digital and physical. I think organizations have had a remarkably successful time in going to virtual. And of course, we're talking about, for the most part, knowledge workers. And we're so thankful for being uh, able to be knowledge workers when we have so many frontline workers and so many other folks who don't have the, the leisure to be able to be doing their work in in such flexible environments. But for that knowledge worker cohort, I think the real challenge is going to be when a portion of uh, each organization heads back into the office and how to get the balance between the work from home or work from anywhere component and the in-office component. How to make sure that we learn everything that we could from this unique moment in time and make those Uh, make that experience
experience great as we as we bring a portion uh, of the workforce back into the office. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it, it feels like to me, like one of the first things that most organizations should do, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is talk to their people. Uh, yeah, I mean, when in doubt, communicate. <laughs> but I'm you want to know what people want? Ask them. Exactly. Exactly. It's simple, but I'd say it so often isn't what organizations do. Right, right. And I think one of the things we've seen is really that the power of choice has moved from the employer to the worker. And I think the worker is going to have a lot of say in where they work going forward. And I know that makes a lot of corporations really nervous, but I think, you know, that's partially maybe what's ushering in the fourth industrial revolution, which, you know, is primarily based on the changing nature of work. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious if what kind of things do you think people are going to run into as they give their employees this choice? And what are some things we can help kind of like ease their pain over? Like one of the things I hear a lot of people freaking out about is security. And part of it is like, we'll just communicate with the places where they're going going and make sure it's secure and make sure your IT department is on top of it. But what are some other things that you commonly hear that are pretty easy to solve? Yeah, well, I think I might hit that security one first and to say that, you know, a lot of things about digital security are more accomplishable, more secure than physical security. And so I think for a long time, organizations have maybe falsely focused on physical security and not sufficiently focused on digital security. Security. Mm-hmm. I think you might look at the financial sector for exemplar focus on digital security um, that really could provide a more secure environment if we focus on that digital component, no matter where you are. And I think that's even starting to come into even say, for example, government uh, environments and, and kind of rethinking is the focus on digital or physical security. And also to say on that category, we also know that training plays more of a role in making environments and both digital and physical environments secure than rules and regulations. So really to, to kind of emphasize those in relation to what you brought up. I would say other easy solves, as we were mentioning just a couple minutes ago, talking to people, understanding their perspective. I think that you're completely right that we have this unique social, cultural, economic environment of the power of choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the winners are really going to be those organizations that provide the most choice and flexibility um, and learn from from their employees and their their customers. One of those trends that you and I have talked about before is treating your employees like their customers Mm -hmm. um, and using some of those same get-to-know-you feedback, response, experience, uh, sentiment analysis, et cetera, that are kind of commonplace in in customer service, but somehow we forget to think about them uh, Mm -hmm. in employee experience. And then I think finally, what what that cohort is not going to give up on 
on are some of these freedoms that have become associated either with this moment in time due to COVID and flexible working and working from home or advocacy around race and culture and ethnic identity and the flexibility that uh, should come with that. I was just reading the other day about the U.S. Postal Service is relaxing some of the requirements for aesthetics, dress code, and also hair, <laughs> hair mm. and headdress code. And, and I think that that's an incredibly uh, important piece of the next generation that we're, we're ushering in is that idea, again, that you and I have spoken about before of bringing your whole self to work. No longer to go to work do you have to check your personality, your gender identity, your ethnic identity at the door. You get to bring that in with you, so to speak. Yeah, that's so exciting. It's it's high time for that change. Like I think that's a as much as this is a horrible global pandemic, it's ushering in a lot of exciting change. And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of things you know, we've talked about before is, you know, really how can we do better with mental health and, you know, how can we design and provide spaces that better address folks on the spectrum? You know, how can we, you know, why aren't we providing rooms that have sensory deprivation, you know, and it's like, I'm over the yoga rooms and I'm quite frankly over physical health because to me, everybody absolutely understands and knows the benefits of physical health. And if you're not doing it, to me, there's a mental health reason behind it. But I also think that what will happen post-pandemic is we'll find out that mental health has actually gotten a lot worse instead of better because so many people are at home and isolated and alone and lonely or frustrated by having a bunch of other humans in their house and cringing every time the doorbell rings because you know your dogs are going to go ballistic. It's a stressful Mm -hmm. thing for a lot of people. It's either a very stressful thing to be home or it's a very lonely thing to be home. And it's also a very privileged thing to have a space in your home that you can designate as your office. Yep. And I don't know about you, but I'm like seriously frustrated by these companies that are coming out and saying, carte blanche, you can't come back till, you know, sometime next year. And they're to me, those are the companies that really aren't paying attention to what their employees need. Yeah. I mean, I think either a, you know, an organization that's saying, you know, across the board, you can't come back or the across the board, you have to come back. Either one of those mm-hmm. um, insensitive. I think you're you're completely right about that relationship between physical health and mental health. We've so long had this bias that like physical health is real and mental health is imaginary, but you know, science shows how interlocking they are. I agree if you're not attentive to your own physical health, then there may be some mental health drivers to that and we're also you know, you can't not see how much of a physical toll stress takes on our human bodies in so many different ways. Weight, blood pressure, lifestyle choices, all very often coming from from stress and other factors. And I think I think you're right. While there's some things that we've been able to focus on, and I am totally a cup half full person. So there's so many things in this COVID moment that I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the stress, particularly of those who live in, in solo environments. I thought there was a great quote from some of the folks who've looked into the unfortunate and <laughs> untimely death of, of Tony Shea, that fabulous founder of Zappos who had mm-hmm. such 
an incredible approach to customer service and and de- delighting the customer as the as the vision for how all companies might be organized. And one of the writers said that you know while he didn't die of COVID, the COVID moment that has so separated from us from one another, especially those who are closest to us and kind of can call us out if we're off the right uh, off the right course. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, that 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 may certainly have precipitated his death. And so this idea that the death toll of COVID is partially a death toll from the, the disease itself and then partially a death toll from the social ramifications of how we've needed to organize ourselves. And I think that that is something that should give us pause, but also help us think about redesigning our communities because in a small part, we've we've always been like that, or we've been that way for a very long time, with our communities being very, very much organized by age and having seniors and particularly mm-hmm. seniors living alone separated from younger people in the community. And so I think I'm hoping that there are some, some lessons learned um, about the um, horrors of social isolation that we're able to address long-term post-COVID. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the, the the worst punishment besides death is solitary confinement. Um, right. That's the worst thing you can do. Um, and yeah, I was deeply saddened to hear and learn more about um, Tony Shea's um, decline because he was such a light. And, you know, I love delivering happiness. Uh, and he was such a community builder. You know, he was building a community in Las Vegas and then he was going to build a community. And I think it was Park City or Salt Lake or somewhere. And, you know, he was, he seemed you know, it's, it's so often, you know, seems so good on the outside, you know, you've got tons of money and you're surrounded by a ton of people and that doesn't mean you're okay. And, (laughs) and yeah, I was just as somebody that's like, you know, personally in recovery and I've been sober over 11 and a half years, it just breaks my heart to see somebody not get out of it. Mm -hmm, Sadly, that's all too common, all too common. So another thing that we've seen in the press a lot, Melissa, is people talking about, oh, is the office dead? Is the office dead? Is the office dead? And, you know, in my opinion, no, the office isn't dead because, you know, we all have kitchens and we still go to restaurants. So, you know, mm-hmm. we can all work from home. And, you know, personally today, I'm in a co-working space because I hate being home alone. So, um, you know, I was curious what your take is. I kind of think offices will actually continue to be um, in the urban core and people will use like co-working spaces and flexible workspace to be near to home. And, and that the office will morph into more of a place where people are there specifically to meet, collaborate, or do training or, you know, have an all hands meeting. I think it'll be much more of a place where you go to commune. And I was just curious kind of where you think the office is going. Yeah, I love your quote on um, we have kitchens, but we still go to restaurants. And I believe that Oh, maybe a couple of years pre-COVID, New Yorkers had spent more in restaurants than at grocery stores typically. <laughs> and obviously this inverted that, mm-hmm. you know, that tendency that, that that one doesn't eradicate the other. And and certainly uh, a little bit shows our co- our cultural cards as New Yorkers with uh, with so much restaurant spend. But I think that you're completely right that the the future of, of office is still there, but but it is a, a 
different environment. One of the things that we've been talking about is, you know, typically office environments pre-COVID, even with 100% of the staff supposedly going to the office on a regular basis, at any one point in time, you would generally see that space, you know, 40 to 60% max occupied. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this new hybrid environment, where I think people will have more choice and control about when they go to the work environment, but then we will want those all hands days, those, you know, momentous moments of pulling everyone together and feeling Mm -hmm. the end of the whole company, that the future work environment is going to want to feel like a great environment at anywhere between 20% occupied and 80% occupied, right? So a typical Mm -hmm. day in the future might be 20 to 40% of of headcount is on site. But then you want to be able to have environments that can accommodate, you know, 70 or 80% of the population turning up for a big event or program. Um, And so that's going to demand a completely different kind of flexibility than we've ever seen before in office environments. And, you know, the, the, the so what of which is that the proposition of assigned desks and everyone having a desk sitting in an office waiting for them whenever they may choose to show up is just increasingly absurd, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so other ramifications, I think you're right, co-working facilities definitely going in the in the convene direction and being that hospitality focus, that events and programs focused. Mm-hmm. Um, always, you know, for the last decade or so, we'd seen some companies that had invested in flexible and teleworking long-term were spending their resources not on real estate, but fabulous retreats and programs that they might do quarterly or even, you know, maybe once a year that when we get together, we want those much more rich, intense, intimate environments, maybe more like a vacation than uh, than going to work in terms of how we're convening. So yeah, I, I think that, that those are the sort of fallout factors uh, mm-hmm. of this return from COVID environment. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. And yeah, I think the, I think the retreat type meeting is going to flourish, which I'm all about it. I love it. Yeah, let's go somewhere amazing and solve some stuff. It's incredible. Yeah. And so one you know, of we've, things- looked at, we've looked at that for Juicy as well, smaller, more intimate gatherings in really amazing places. Yeah. yeah One of the super fun. things along those lines is that on-site is the new off-site, right? We used to go... <laughs> We used to go to, you know, a special destination to get away from the office, to get out of the everyday and to have those, you know, great strategic or long-term planning conversations. And the idea is that that might be part of the future office environment as we're spending more of that typical time uh, at home. Mm-hmm. So I think it is it is an opportunity to to think about that that play and that different experience. Yeah, that's great. I, re- I totally just wrote that down. That's amazing. On-site mm-hmm. is the new off-site. Love it. Um, um, so speaking of um, on-site and being at home a lot, as we all have lately, I'm super interested. I'm giving you two questions at once because I can't help myself because I'm trying to pack it all in. One is what mistake are most of us making in our home office? And the second is I really would love to hear from a New Yorker how you think the recovery is going to be in the city. Okay. 
So mistakes in home office, I have to say ergonomics. You Mm -hmm. know, we're probably not great at ergonomics in the corporate environment, but sort of for completely different reasons than the home environment. So where in the office environment, you're probably stuck in one setting. In the home environment, you're maybe more, you have greater autonomy to move between different spaces, but likely none of those spaces are really optimized for for ergonomics. The lighting setup, the, you know, if you're looking at papers, if you're reading, I think people need to maybe think through the settings that they like to use and get Mm -hmm. those settings more ready to go. So, um, you know, if you have to do some reading for work, that's great. Go do it in a lounge chair, but, you know, get the lighting set up so that when you get there, you're not giving yourself a headache or, you know, maybe a standing desk is great, but are you standing barefoot because you're home Um, or do you maybe have a mat or a pad, or I'm a huge fan of the really soft soles of some Nike running shoes Mm. that is basically like a, a soft pad under your feet. And if you think about it, when you're running or walking, you're putting a lot of pressure with each step on your, on your, into your shoe, uh, or on your foot. But when you're standing, you're not putting that same dynamic pressure. So you need a lot softer, uh, sole in order to, be ergonomically appropriate. So I would, you know, I would strongly recommend that in the home environment, people have a few settings that they sort of rotate between, Mm -hmm. um, get each of those settings sort of set for uh, your arrival in an ergonomic way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm amazed at how many people I know that are just like slumped on their couch all day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're back. You're back. Okay, now it's now total hard ride, New York. Tell me what you think about New York. Yes, I was just about to say that. Um, so it's it's such a wild uh, experience, and I think that some people who are in the city and who've stayed in the city for this unique moment in time are somewhat shell shocked. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I use that word thoughtfully, um, knowing that it it does have significant meaning, but. You know, one of our team members at Plastark lives on one of the streets right in front of a hospital that was just filled with nothing but ambulances and emergency vehicles for six months or six weeks earlier this year. We have team members and friends who really aren't comfortable leaving their house or their apartment. We have all that leftover isolation. So I think it's really going to take, it's, it's going to be, you know, the true definition of recovery from an emotional and physical perspective as New York comes back. You know, we've lost, uh, there's there's implications of a whole class of people who are lucky enough to have second or third homes um, who've mm-hmm. gone to those places. I don't want to spread any negativity, but there are, you know, instances of crime increasing in this city as, mm-hmm. you know, a portion of the population has left or is indoors <laughs> and a portion of the population that that can't leave or you know has uh, has much fewer resources um, is uh, is stuck in in so many ways. Um, those are definitely the the downsides. Um, the upsides. Research continues to show that public transportation and the ventilation within public transportation, you know, presuming we all have masks on, is a much safer environment than mm-hmm. than we might have originally seen. So I think the sort of technical ability for us to come back as New York City is there, but I think there's there's still a lot of uh, hurdles 
to get over as we're potentially moving into a second wave this fall. It's a real time to come together and be New York strong. Yeah. Well, no one, no one ever estimate under nobody. I don't think ever underestimates New York. Like New York mm-hmm. has just got some resiliency that just isn't anywhere else. And I know we're all giving. For, yeah, it's amazing. So switching gears because we're getting close on time. I'm super curious, you know, in these odd times, where are you looking for inspiration? Boy. <laughs> That's a doozy of a question to save till the end. I Uh, know, but it's so interesting. Let's see. Looking for inspiration. I would say the first thing that pops into my mind is my kids. Mm. Um, They have just been incredible troopers, three of them all conquering middle school virtually. Mm. Um, And, you know, just seeing how they've done that, how resilient they've been, but as a set, but also how each of the three of them have responded quite differently to the social impacts, the technical impacts, the Mm -hmm. educational impacts of what has happened. You know, and I certainly think it's going to be hard for an employer in five years to tell an employee that they need to come to the office when they did seventh and eighth grade virtually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>? but, <laughs> there's going to be a little question there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, they've all missed lots of things. And so I think they're really purposeful and, and meaningful. One of the things that I was thinking when we were, we were talking to that about that return to the office moment is we've advocated for, you know, before you go back into the office, you know, really think about what is your workplace? Why? What is the, what are the core reasons why mm-hmm. you have the resource of the workplace? You probably spend as, as much money on it as a, as a, as a good portion of your, of your payroll. And so, you know, what role is that physical space playing in your organization is, is job one to figure out at this moment in time. So a little bit about that inspiration and, and really curious as to the future of educational environments. I heard some Someone say the other day that maybe online degrees aren't going to be as frowned upon mm-hmm. <laughs> in the next few years as they have been, certainly not by our students, right, who know exactly now what benefits come from the virtual component and what benefits come from the physical component. Other sources of inspiration, you know, I think maybe maybe armchair travel. I love traveling. Getting on a plane is something that I I oddly enjoy. Um, and so for me, it's been one of the things that I've missed most, um, both personal and professional travel at this moment in time. And so I think all the all the different resources of being able to travel by reading or you know even looking at at pictures or, or hearing mm-hmm. the music. Uh, of different countries and parts of the world, I think is maybe another point of inspiration. That's so funny. I've been watching a Netflix show called Somebody Feed Phil, mainly because for me, it's like travel food porn. Like he's in <laughs> Venice and I'm like, I love Venice. And I'm just looking at it to see the background. Um, yeah. <laughs> because... Yeah. And, and I've got to go to some places I've never been like Morocco and I'm like, Oh, that looks amazing. I want to go there. Um, right. So I hear you. That is one thing that, that definitely feeds my soul that I'm very, very much missing right now. But you know, it just is what it is. And then, you know, it's just like, we're all going to look back on this 
And even though it was so hard and everything, there's so much we all learn. There's so many silver linings. There's so many things we're going to appreciate more. There's so many things that we're going to value more. And I hope that it's this like amazing moment in time that accelerated a lot of change that needed to happen. Just like you were talking about, about diversity, inclusivity, and, you know, the mental health stuff I'm always talking about. I think this Mm -hmm. might, you know, out of the darkness could come this like unbelievable comet of light. Here, here. Yeah. A meteor shower. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. (laughs) I am. We are due one. Well, Melissa, as always, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I always learn something from you and I really, really appreciate your time. And if someone wants to get in touch with you and hire you for help with workplace experience or some of the other great projects that you do, how can they reach you? Yep. It's uh, Melissa or info at plastark.com, P-L-A-S-T-A-R-C. And our Twitter handle is the same. Awesome. Well, I am super looking forward to seeing you at a future Juicy and staying in touch. Always great to talk with you. Thanks again, Melissa. Awesome. Thank you, Liz. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for Workplace Trends. I'm Liz Elam, and we will see you on the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a like.